Hello, everybody, um, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Podcast here. Um, this is Steve coming at you with everyone's favorite co-host and Brett. Um, Brett, how are you feeling on this lovely New Year's Day? I'm doing all right, Steve. Uh, happy New Year. Um, I think vibes are worse than the last couple weeks after we, you know, after uh, some interesting basketball games uh, around the Big Ten. But uh, overall, I'm I'm doing okay. I'm, it's 2023. It's, it's January 1st. I'm no longer in an undisclosed location in Europe, and where uh, I'm ready to roll. Awesome. I'm not quite sure what you mean about vibes, but nonetheless, we will we will get started here. So it was a it was sort of a quick slate of of games this week as most of the conference was off early in the week around the Christmas holiday. But we thought, given we're recording this on January 1st, um, and as the calendar flips, the the college athletic um, world tends to shift their focus from football to basketball. We thought we'd just do a, a brief state of the state just to get you up to speed on where things sit with the Big Ten Conference in case this is your first time tuning in. Um, we, we will talk about a few developments that happened this week. But, um, you know, as, essentially as the Big Ten closes um, its, its non-conference portion of the schedule, um, you know, there, there have been, you know, a, a few pleasant surprises, a, a few disappointments, and um, a, a whole heck of a lot of other stuff going on in between. Per, Purdue has really been, I think, you know, not not only the biggest surprise, but just, you know, a, a pleasure to watch. They currently sit as the number one team in the the country. Um, they're atop the conference standings, um, too. And um, we'll we'll sort of see if if the head holds up for real as they make their way through the, the conference season. We've seen. Um, flashes from Illinois and Indiana, who we both had ranked as the top two teams in the conference coming in, although we've also seen some struggles from both of those teams as well. Um, but but really, I think that the story with the, this conference, is, as far as where they sit heading into the season, is um, there there are a lot of teams that are, are still in the mix for tournament bids, um, perhaps even a few more than we initially thought would be relevant. Uh, Northwestern and Maryland you know, I think stand out as, as two teams that, you know, we really didn't have even kind of making it to the middle of the conference this year. And and they're going to be positioned with a strong conference season to make the tournament. I think on the flip side, um, you know, Michigan and Iowa are two teams that, you know, we, we thought I think probably would be in good position to make the tournament. And they've both suffered bad losses that have sort of left them out of position. But really, you look up and down this conference but other than Minnesota, you know, and, and Nebraska, like, I mean, every team's kind of in it. And I think that makes for an exciting season, you know, as, as we get things started off here. Um, I think, Brett, anything just to add to that as, as you know, before we, we go into our weekly recap and, and preview? No, I think I think you did a pretty good job kind of covering mostly everything I wanted to talk about. But I think, the, I mean, the interesting thing is I think so much was sold on for the for the teams that everyone everyone projected to be good, so much was sold on continuity and consistency. And I feel like your your Indiana, your Illinois, like your Michigan State, they've been some of the more inconsistent teams in the conference. I think as it as it comes to kind of the highs that they've had and the losses they've suffered. And so it's 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 interesting. And I think like we're gonna see. I think we're looking at a at a year where like five losses will likely get you the conference championship 
but yeah, I th- so I, th- I think it's 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 going to be one of those years where no, uh, I mean, unless Purdue really kind of keeps up this this crazy level of play, which seems a little bit unsustainable, as even as good as they've been this entire season, I think that like you said, it's really going to be a dogfight kind of to the finish with maybe a couple more players than we had anticipated, like your Penn State, your maybe your Rutgers, like you know Northwestern and Maryland are making a case. Like Nebraska doesn't look terrible anymore, so I think it's. There's a lot of closeness in quality. I think there's not as much of a lack of like I think there's more of a lack of like consistency of high quality play from a lot of teams. Yeah, so you know, we'll 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 see how this shakes out and we'll we'll be with you along the the way really for the next um I mean 10 to you know hopefully 12 to 13 14 weeks all the way through the the end of the season with you to kind of keep you up to speed on on what happens. Uh, let's talk about the last week here. So we, we had a few conference games that we wanted to talk about to wrap up the weekend here. Um, and first, we're going to start off with the Iowa Hawke- Hawkeyes. So um, we, we talked about Iowa, actually, believe it or not, last week because they made headlines by losing to Eastern Illinois at home. That was not a good loss. And um, based on their performance this week, you know, that that loss, it, A, may have been a sign of uh, a, a fatal kind of flaw in this team, but also I think they, their, their season's kind of quickly spiraling out of control. They went to Lincoln on Thursday and got beat pretty handedly by the Nebraska Cornhuskers, which all of a sudden sort of look like they've um, got confidence and cohesion with the way that they're playing. Um, and, and then they, they, they turned around and um, on Sunday lost, you know, a, a harder fought game with Penn state. Uh, but nonetheless, they allowed um, 83 <laughs> points to a Penn State team that sort of struggles to score. So, you know, that the, 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 we, we know Iowa's defense is awful. But I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, if you're the Hawkeyes now, you look up your 0-3 in conference, you're 8-6. and six, Things have to turn around quickly. Brett, what are you seeing from the Hawkeyes, um, in, at least in these two games this week, that has you concerned? So I think I think a big part of it is I mean a huge part of it is defense and sure giving up 66 points to Nebraska is not the worst defensive showing uh, but they were seven for 28 from three that game and if if shots are not going down this Iowa team I mean that's you know the universal truth of basketball I guess but more so like Iowa cannot win games with their defense uh, and I think so that was a big issue and then also something that I think we pointed out kind of coming into this season was where is the offense going to come from if Chris Murray is not having a good game? And we really saw, I mean, against Nebraska, Robracha had a, a really nice game, actually, with 16 points, 13 rebounds. Chris Murray had 17. No one else scored more than five points. That's not great. Um, and even if you look at this Penn State game, Murray had 32 points. Tony Perkins had 17. Robracha is actually, Robracha's been better than I thought he would be. I still think he's not you know, he's not going to make any headlines, but he's definitely been more than serviceable, especially against some of the smaller teams like, you know, your Penn State, your Nebraska. But I mean, they're they're not getting any bench scoring. And it that makes it hard for Fran McCaffrey to kind of stagger his lineups and not, you know, try not to just get everyone super tired. I mean, Chris Murray played all 40 minutes today. Perkins played 36. Robracha played 31. And that's just not very sustainable. So I think we were really rightly concerned about this lack of depth and lack of defense for a team that wants to play so fast on offense kind of backfiring when you don't have 
either depth or defense. So I think it's I, I don't think they're going to I think they'll start winning some conference games. But in Penn State's definitely not bad. There's Penn State's been obviously exceeding our expectations this year. But I, I I would not be I would not be feeling great if I were an Iowa fan right now. Right. And I mean, you know, I think it's easy to say they're going to start winning conference games, but you just, you look up and down the schedule and I mean, Nebraska is supposed to be an easy game, right? Like, and uh, it's it's supposed to be a winnable road road game. I mean, this could spiral out of control quickly, especially since they can't really lean on their defense for anything. I mean, you know, I, I think we, we have a great deal of respect for what Penn state's done this year, but you can't allow that team to shoot. 54% 54% from the field and 47% from three, especially with the way they play in like a very sort of one-on-one, you know, when, when Jaden Pickett's going 10 of 16, you know, and, and you're, you know, six of six in the free throw line they're, you know, they're when, when they're one-on-one guys who are, I mean, and we, again, we're, we're probably not giving Penn state enough credit, but they've got like four or five guys that can just, get buckets one-on-one, which, you know, that, that may actually, like, I don't know if there's another team in the conference that has that from just a, a one-on-one playmaking perspective. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to have to be a lead on offense if you're going to keep up in a game like that. And, you know, Iowa got down early. Um, they fought hard to come back. I, I could, I get, I see this getting really, really out of control for Iowa if they don't turn things around quickly. And as we'll talk about in the preview, you know, the, the schedule doesn't ease up by any means. So, um, I, I would be a little bit concerned if I were the Hawkeyes. In in a similar vein, let's talk about Michigan because, it, you know, in, in some ways, I was thinking we were going to start off the show by drawing the comparison between, you know, just like Iowa kind of got zapped by a holiday break game um, at home against a much inferior opponent. The, the same thing happened to Michigan um, in they lost to Central Michigan. Um, in, in, in what's a huge upset? I mean, you know, e- e- the Eastern Illinois loss was was bad, but you know, Central Michigan is the the 296th ranked team according to Ken Palm at the time of the loss. Um, it's at home, coming off of the holiday break, and you know, the the similarity between the this Michigan team and Iowa was their NCAA tournament resume was one with like no good, no good wins, no bad losses type of situation. And now you get the bad loss. You don't really have the good wins to make up for it. All of a sudden, this Michigan team looks like they're really going to have to do some work in the Big Ten to make the tournament. However, they flipped the script um, and, you know, they took on a Maryland team at home and just absolutely routed them. The game was never really close. Michigan got out to like a 17 to nothing lead and they won by 30 plus points to sort of make a statement to themselves, at least that, you know, they were going to let that central Michigan win to find them. Hunter Dickinson at 30, 32 and 12. So he was a big part of that. And we talked last week about um, his lack of performance in big big games, kind of dooming them from getting a win. But I guess, Maybe just comparing Iowa's predicament to Michigan's, Brett, do you see a route for Michigan to get this turned around um, and, or, and, and to sort of keep the momentum that they built to, against Maryland going forward into the conference season? So I, I had an alternative alternative point of view about this game. I think this game, this Michigan-Maryland game, taught us way more about Maryland than it did about Michigan. Say what you will about Hunter Dickinson and his inability to keep his mouth shut, but... 
he's very good at abusing teams that don't have a real post presence. And what we had said all, for a long time about about this this Maryland team is they they don't have a big post presence. They have five quality guys in their starting in their starting lineup, and then it's kind of a, a you know kind of a mixed bag off the bench to say the least. But I mean, they have no one for Dickinson and he did a really good job at getting whatever he wanted uh, from like inside. And I think it's an interesting testament that he didn't take any threes today. And actually Michigan as a whole only took 11. So I think they were really focused on just pounding the ball in the paint. And I think that's a very good offensive adjustment. I think, and it's been a pattern with Michigan this year. I think the, you can look at the Eastern Illinois loss for Iowa and and draw a, a number of very fair conclusions. But I think the fact remains that against lower quality competition, this Michigan team has just decided kind of not to show up. And I think that's more of an indictment on, you know, this team, how it's constructed, how it's being coached. So I think for them to turn around and show up against Maryland is is good, obviously, like especially coming off a really terrible loss. But it makes it kind of fits the pattern of that we've seen so far from them. So I think, you know, not getting over reliant on three, working through the post and feeding Hunter makes a lot of sense. And it was something that it seemed like Michigan went away from at times last year in important games. So I think it's good to see that. I think, you know, with this week's stretch of games coming up, will tell us more about Michigan than what we saw today. I think. Yeah, no. And uh, granted long conference season. So again, I think this was, I think you're totally right. I think it was, um, kind of what was needed in a way for Michigan because dropping this game at home would have think, set them on a similar tailspin to what Iowa is currently experiencing. And I, I think if you're Maryland, you know, yeah, I mean, they they got off to a strong start this year, but um, the last month or so has not been kind to them. So, but, you know, as, as you're going to see, as we continue to preview conference games every week here, I mean, every matchup is more going to be about just battle of wills and who's who's going to win certain matchups and there's there's no easy games i think at this point so um maryland had an off night they and they've gotten off to slow starts against big teams i think you know frequently um in the non-conference too but they're gonna have to get their act together quickly if they want to sort of they want this strong start that they had not to be for naught i think the last game that we wanted to talk about here was uh, ohio state going into Evanston and really controlling the game from start to finish against Northwestern. They get out of there with a double digit road victory. I think we talked a lot about the optimism around this Northwestern program. Um, and, and this would have been a good win for them. Uh, but I think, you know, with Ohio state, it, it was, it was their, their balance out of their starting five. Um, you know, Zed key had another double, double, a, a, a good enough game from Bryce Sensenbaugh, Justice Shewing, and you know McNeil, and um, you know Northwestern shot under thirty percent from the field and from three. Is any any observations or things to note from either Northwestern or Ohio State's performance today? Yeah, I mean, I I came away from this really impressed with what Ohio State's bringing to the table. I think they're showing not only their offensive versatility but their defensive effectiveness as well. I mean. They've got really good size coming, you know, uh, to to kind of work their defensive system, and they have a bunch of shot makers. You know, Sue, we're seeing Suing score points 
without taking threes in a lot of, he's making a lot of really difficult shots and be kind of becoming that guy at the end of the shot clock that they can turn to, to kind of get, get a look, you know, key's been really expanding his game. I mean, he had only had 11 points today, but he only took seven shots. And one of them was a, a desperation, you know, 35 footer at the, at the end of the shot clock, he's had 11 rebounds. I mean, he's really kind of getting everything done on, on the court that they need him to. And, and sense Thornton have really started growing as, as, as their freshman seasons have, have progressed. So I think Ohio state's a team that no one's going to say like, Oh man, these guys are killer. Like they're going to go, you know, they're really, really, really good. But come March, they're going to be a team that no one really wants to face. I think they're, they're lacking a lot of star power outside of the big 10, like sensible. Everyone's going to know as draft season starts, starts to heat up, but like, you know, no one outside of, us and the Big Ten is really talking about Justice suing and the impact he's having on this team. Yeah, so um, yeah, and I think we we kind of we 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 talked last week about uh, like I feel like the Chris Holtman era at Ohio State like they're they're always there and they've always sort of been sitting between like this are they elite like they've kind of been here where like are they you know part of the conference's elite probably not but like they've never really been even like you know, they're, they're slightly above like a, a bubble team. Right. Um, and you know, they're, they're kind of climbing up the rankings, you know, they're, they're up to two and oh in, in conference and, um, they've got, I think, you know, an opportunity to make a statement later this week, which we'll talk about in a second, but the, the, just the consistency, the, the balance and, and really the ability of Chris Holtman to make all these transfers fit in is, paying dividends. And and honestly, they're looking like one of the most consistent teams of anyone in the conference. And so we'll be interested to see how, how they continue to respond to the grueling schedule of the conference. I think they're very, very well positioned. All right. On to the, on to what's come, what's to come this next week. So I'll kind of take the, the first day of games. We've got one game for you. Um, on, on Monday the 2nd, Rutgers heads to Mackey to take on Purdue um, and their undefeated squad. Um, so here I'd, I'd, I'd look to see how much Cliff Omarui can be a disruptor to Zach Eady. I think that's you know where you go first any time you think about trying to beat Purdue. I think this, this will be... It, 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 it's tough going into that environment. I think if you're Rutgers, but you know, their, their defense travels. Right. And so um, look for McConnell to be active on the wings. We'll see if they can kind of not necessarily slow this game down, but muck it up enough that, you know, they kind of catch Purdue sleeping. Uh, but really as it is, I think anytime you play Purdue, it's going to start with how things look in the post. And we know that, you know, Rutgers, I believe, got a big win against Purdue last year at um, the rack. So, you know, they, they have the formula to beat this team. We'll see if they can kind of ambush Purdue here um, in a game when students are just starting to arrive back on campus. Brett, do you want to take the Tuesday slate? Yeah, so we got a couple interesting games on Tuesday. I think the the, the headliner, I would say, is, is Nebraska going to Michigan State. You know, we're we're seeing we we finally saw Michigan State get Malik Hall back uh, as they they blew out Buffalo, um, and you know he only played 12 minutes, but it was good. He scored 11 points, and it's good to see him kind of start reintegrating. Uh, and I, you know, they really need his presence, and they will. I, I think this this is an interesting matchup because 
you know, Nebraska, obviously we've been talking about how they've really been, been working at slowing the game down and, and Michigan state's playing pretty slow this year too. So, you know, Ken Palm projects about 64 possessions. So that will be very interesting, but I think specifically um, we're going to be looking again to kind of the Grisel Derek Walker combo, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the inside out game. And I'm interested to see how Sissoko deals with Walker. Um, and then what, Nebraska tries to do to try and slow down Joey Hauser, who is having a hell of a season. He's shooting 45% from three and has really kind of emerged finally, I think for, for Michigan state fans. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see what that kind of battle of defensive styles looks like and how, how team, how both of those teams are able to manufacture points. And then we have the border battle between Minnesota and Wisconsin that's in Madison. And I like, I think it's an odd game for Wisconsin to start back up uh their conference play because it's it's a game they should win by a lot um but if they you know if they don't get out to a hot start and and Jamison Battle can can punish can can push the push the pace and um you know really kind of get start get getting into a rhythm it could really come back to punish Wisconsin um I think that it should be a runaway runaway victory for Wisconsin but um you know they're they're there is the possibility that that battle and Garcia could get going um, and and hit their shots. All right, moving to Wednesday slate. So first off, Penn State heads to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. We we just talked about Michigan, um, you know, and I think the the story there for it, it, in a similar vein to you know Michigan's last match against Maryland is you know does Penn State have a body that can slow down Hunter Dickinson? Um, I think you know that's that's going to be the key. I think for them to be competitive in this game and if they can kind of slow them down, they've got the horses um, from just a one-on-one playmaking perspective to, um, you know, exploit, um, you know, maybe some of Michigan's um, lack of size on the, on the wings um, when it comes to just their ability to defend one-on-one Penn state's on a five game winning streak, um, you know, which is, you know, tied for the second longest of any team in the conference. Um, But Michigan's undefeated. So I think, um, you know, this, if Michigan can get this one, they're, you know, going to kind of be off to a head start and conference play from some of the rest of the field. So I think that that could prove valuable. Um, Illinois goes to Northwestern on Wednesday as well. Um, for Northwestern, I think dropping two home games in a row to start off this stretch here post New Year's would really put a dent in their ability to um, put together a strong tournament resume. But no, this is just a brief reminder. Illinois is 0 and 2 um, in in conference play, you know, as well. So um, kind of a desperation uh, mode a little bit to get themselves that first conference win, um, so they can kind of position themselves to defend their conference title. Um, it's been an up and down sort of non-conference um, season for Illinois, but um, they should be able to. I think just with the talent that they have on the wings, uh, we'll see if Northwestern's uh, defense can slow down those guys. But I would, um, I would expect a strong performance from the Illini um, as they really do not, you know, they can't afford to start off conference play on three. Yeah. So moving into Thursday, we've got uh, first we've got Maryland going to Rutgers, and uh, you know, it's always it's always very hard to win at the rack. Um, 
and Maryland specifically now is obviously on a, on a, on a bit of a skid against teams with a pulse. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that that game is pretty prime for Omari to have a really big game. And I, I like the ability of, of Caleb O'Connell and Mulcahy to really kind of lock down Maryland's guards. It's going to be a game where you need Hart and Scott to have really big games. If you're, if you're Maryland, um, and kind of take advantage of some of the, some of the advantages those guys have against this Rutgers team. Um, because again, you never really know with Rutgers if they're actually going to be able to put the ball in the hoop. So it's, you know, if, if Scott can kind of get hot and, and, they can open it up from three a little bit. They'll have a chance. Otherwise, I, I, I'm struggling to see how they're going to score points in that game. Uh, the big one that day is uh, Purdue going to Columbus. And, I mean, as you said with with the the, the first Purdue preview, I think this this post-matchup of, of Zed Key and Edie is going to be very interesting because Key has shown the ability to shoot a little bit. He's shooting 31% from three on pretty low volume, but – you kind of have to spread Purdue out and really kind of take try to take advantage of of moving Edie around. So I think if if Key can hit an early three, he could that could really open things up for the floor to get Suing and Sensabaugh going to the basket. I think Sensabaugh is going to be big this game too, kind of to take advantage of of some of Purdue's other wing guys. Although I expect he'll see a lot of Mason Gillis. Um, if it becomes a game that is super dribble drive oriented on for Ohio State on offense, I have a very hard time seeing how they're going to win because Edie is just going to block the crap out of all of it. And they're not going to – I think that Lawyer and, and Edie will be able to have enough offense to uh, to kind of keep it going. So I think that's going to be something interesting to watch. Uh, and then last we have Indiana-Iowa. Um, obviously, Indiana has the injury problems that that we saw, and they, they were kind of able to take care of their two – uh, non-conference games uh, over the holiday break without much of a sweat. Um, so I think this is going to be one about like getting back on track for Indiana against a, you know, teams that a, a team with a pulse and kind of really seeing if their defense is really up to snuff and, and trying to shut down Chris Murray. All right. And we've got three games slate on Saturday as well. First off is Nebraska and Minnesota. So won't say too much about this game other than I think is a great opportunity for Nebraska to pick up a road win and just sort of continue the momentum that um, they've you know built with their recent win over Iowa, as well as a, a couple of other um, kind of marquee wins in the non-conference play. Um so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if they can, I, I think, I think this will be a good litmus test because uh, Minnesota is going to be desperate for a win. I don't expect them to beat Wisconsin. So, you know, at that, that point, they'll be looking to avoid going 0-4 to start off conference play. Uh, that Wisconsin-Illinois game, I think uh, more so than ever, this game I think ultimately comes down to who controls the pace. Uh, Wisconsin will have a size advantage on the interior, um, and they should have an advantage at the point guard position two but we know that illinois got a lot of weapons that um i think they can expose wisconsin's lack of athleticism on the perimeter um and they're going to try to play fast and we know that wisconsin's going to try to slow them down it's really tough to win in champagne um and kind of low-key these these teams kind of low-key don't really like each other so um i'm looking to see really i think if um if, if wisconsin can get this game you know it will be further proof that they're I think really for real and um, 
you know, that we were kind of underestimating them as a top quartile team in the conference. So big early litmus test for Wisconsin there. And then we get an early uh, treat for kind of a, a true in-state rivalry when Michigan and Michigan State bear off on Saturday as well. Um, I'm actually looking at the point guard position there too for where uh, I think the game will be won or lost. We've talked about how uh, Michigan State kind of has two point guards, right? Like they've got a guard, they've got Tyson Walker. At, at this rate, they're experienced on a relative basis. Michigan will be trying to go into East Lansing with Doug McDaniel running the show, who's been, um, I think, better than expected filling in for Jalen Llewellyn's injury, but I think shown a little bit of um, turnover proneness and just, um, tr- you know, trying to understand how to control the pace. So I, I look at kind of that position to see who controls this game um, and, and, and turnovers. I think we've seen sloppy play from both of these teams to start off the year. Uh, they will really need to control pace and control the the ball and execute efficiently to kind of win this game. So um, should be exciting as always when those two teams get together. Yeah, and then closing it out on Sunday, we've got uh, Northwestern going to Bloomington as the first of a four-game slate. And I, I mean, in theory, the Northwestern could kind of take advantage of, of Indiana's uh, guards. And I think this is a game where, you know, especially a buoy uh, is, it could have a really big game, but is going to need to take good shots and avoid the real inefficiency that plagued him during the loss to Ohio state. Um, but I have a very hard time seeing how, Indi- how Northwestern is going to be able to handle Trace Jackson Davis. And I think that should be enough for Indiana to get this game, especially at home. Uh, we have Iowa heading to the rack And uh, I am very excited to watch Caleb McConnell guard Chris Murray. I think that's just going to be a really fun matchup to watch. I don't think Iowa wins this game. I think Rutgers will have a lot more success. I think Omarui, especially going up against a smaller big guy in Robracha, should be able to have a pretty big game. And that should be enough for Iowa or for Rutgers, excuse me, to take care of business. Uh, Ohio State going on the road to Maryland is very interesting because, as you've said, uh, the students are sort of starting to come back. I think we'll we'll have more lively atmospheres as as uh, winter breaks finish. Um, and I think that, I mean, I I have a hard time seeing how how Maryland's able to slow down a very diverse and balanced attack from Ohio State. But I think that also, you know, a guy like Dante Scott uh, and and I you know, Reese and, and Hart could be able to take advantage of Ohio State's relative youth and especially on the road. And so I, I could see Maryland being very competitive in this game and, and even uh, kind of sneaking a win at home. Um, but it's a game that Ohio State, like if they're really serious about trying to win this conference, it's a game that they they should win. And then finally, we've got Purdue Penn State. Um, the Bryce Jordan Center is where dreams go to die. So I would be I'd be cautious if I was Purdue. Uh, but they won't have Penn State does not have the size to match up with Edie. But again, you've got an, a very experienced and very good point guard in Jalen Pickett going up against, you know, Purdue's kind of cadre of inexperienced guards. And so I think that that's something to look for. I think this could be a game that Purdue could lose. I think Penn State, we've seen them to be very dangerous, especially shooting the ball uh, from three. They're still top 20 in the country in three point percentage. And if they if they get hot from distance and Purdue's forced to rely on Edie to uh, 
a defend in space and b be their focal point on offense trading threes for two trading twos for threes isn't ideal and so they'll need to make a lot of shots i think from from distance to win that game thank you brett all right thank you everyone for joining us a lot to be excited about as conference play heats up and as you can tell um you know we are jumping right in full swing to full swing into things um this week with um you know, at a conference that's really up for grabs and every game at this point in the season with a lot riding on it. So as mentioned, always, we'll be with you for the ride along the way. Um, don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions, feedback, comments, or just want to talk to us. Um, thanks, everyone. We'll be with you next week.